Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and mental health. We are so glad you're joining us. Today's conversation is all about self-care. For context, it was recorded just over a week after the election. If you're listening during the week this episode is uploaded, you're probably gearing up for the holidays. So odds are you, the listener, might need a little self-care. To discuss the challenges and the benefits of this elusive art, here are Lindsay, Evan, and Michael. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Not Alone podcast, the podcast that explores faith, mental health, and just how long an election week can take. Normally, it's just one day. This one took a week. Now we're sprawling into two weeks. And I'll say this. I get a little report on my screen time on my phone every Sunday. Last week, during election week, that was an alarming amount. It was like, your screen time is up 47%. Did something happen in your life? Why, yes. I endured one of the most stressful, strange election seasons in all of United States history, and we were all here to be a part of it. Michael, Lindsay, welcome back. We have survived election week, and we're here together. How are you guys? I am worn out. I think that week took it out of me and uh, now trying to find my energy and get it back. I think I'm, I'm with you. I, um, it seems, it seems unreasonably tired from uh, the last two weeks, I guess. Um, one of the added benefits for me was I, I actually served as a poll official in my County. Uh, so we worked uh, 20 hours roughly um, on on election day. And then, uh, then it just kept going and going, going and going. And going so it's, um, going yeah, going. yeah. I think, uh, you know, we talked, I think before uh, around our anxiety and, and talking about how you have sort of this base level anxiety that just kind of is existing and has ticked up quite a bit with, with COVID. And then I think over the last month or so of election season, um, it ticked up even higher and then we got back up to right here to election time and it's, it's even higher. So I think uh, when you, when you have a high level of baseline anxiety, it just, it just gets tiring. Yeah. I've never been more aware of my blood pressure than waking up at 4am and being like, maybe there's news. Maybe there's news. Yeah. Just like we talked about when you talked about last week, Michael was, you know, the refreshing and the like, I don't want to miss it. And I I just can't get away from it. It was exhausting. Yeah. Well, I I do want to make sure that we introduce ourselves to, I am Evan DeYoung and I am joined here by the two wonderful voices that you heard earlier of Lindsay and Michael. I'll let them uh, say a little bit more about themselves as we jump into today's episode. Hey everybody. It's Lindsay Geist back again, a licensed clinical social worker and pastor in the United Methodist church. I have a background of working with people, especially uh, struggling with anxiety, uh, which feels uh, very apparent these last few weeks. (laughs) Um, And palpable is right. And uh, also help churches manage crisis and learn more about uh, mental health and wraparound support services. Hello, everyone. Michael McCord. I, too, am a pastor in the United Methodist uh, tradition, and I have spent my life working with college students and those who support them. And so, as you can imagine, right in the heart of of sort of social-emotional awakening, and uh, it's where all of the um, really challenging scenarios of anxiety and depression really start to manifest themselves in young adult age. So, um, it's been fun to be with them through all this too. I think uh, young adults have a unique perspective in in the world right now and what they're going through and a unique set of experiences that they're navigating as, as young people. So glad to be that's, with you today and glad to talk about caring for ourselves in the middle of all this. That's right. This week we are talking about self-care, which is something that we all desperately need right now. So Lindsay, broad overview when we say the words self-care, what does that mean? 
A lot of times we've used the phrase uh, to kind of reference things like, um, oh, go get your nails done or go get a spa treatment um, or go on vacation. And that indicates uh, self-care. But I think that that is uh, what society has started teaching us and kind of co-opted that word a little bit. Self-care is about doing something that is going to make you uh, being in tune with yourself and make you a healthier person. So self-care is not always something that feels super enjoyable and pampering. It might be saying no to something and holding boundaries. It uh, might be going to bed early. It might be creating more space for yourself and, and not spending time with friends or going out of your way to spend time with certain relationships. Uh, self-care, I think of somewhat as soul care of what makes us and our souls healthier. Okay, so why do I need it? Why shouldn't I just let the world toss me to and fro with the waves of anxiety, distress, and doom scrolling? I mean, that doesn't sound real appealing right there, uh, does it? <laughs> it's not very attractive packaging. <laughs> Sometimes You're the like, absence of being something might be enough here. I, I think that we need to do this uh, to avoid burnout and exhaustion and, frankly, self-destruction. We're, we're going to get out of control if we don't do these regular check-ins and try to do things that fill our battery back up and keep us healthy and whole and uh, keep us moving forward. Yeah, I really think of self-care as like listening to yourself and, and honoring yourself. Um, I think a lot of people get in the trap of, of, of work-related pressure, family-related expectations from external forces and, and those sorts of things. If you don't take time... Um, for yourself, often no one else will. Your company's not going to do it. Your teachers aren't going to do it. The, the, the rhythm of the school year isn't going to pause for your self-worth or your self-care. You are going to be the one who needs to be able to listen and know when and where you need help. Uh, because what we know in, in our collective experiences, and probably in yours too, is all of the bad stuff that we get ourselves into happens when when we're depleted, when we're feeling isolated or lonely, we're, uh, when we're burnt out, when we're, we're so anxious that we turn to, to other things to try to relieve anxiety. Um, and, and so the, as Evan alluded to, it, well, and, and Lizzie said, just, just in the sense that caring for yourself is a proactive way of, of limiting the, the self-harm you might find yourself in if, if you just don't take care of yourself. The, those desperate choices that we can sometimes make when we feel stuck and depleted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then you talked about a self-care routine. Now, as I'm evaluating what my self-care routine is and has been, I'm now realizing that my self-care routine is generally probably more described as like a triage uh, where I am bleeding out on the table <laughs> in the emotional mental hospital and I'm just throwing everything I can at the end of a long week or the end of a long season to just triage it. And I'm just, I've passed that tipping point. So talk to me a little bit about the difference between like emergency self-care, which I feel like is our way of doing it in America. Go, 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 go. Stored up vacation days, PTO. And then they're like, hey, these are going to expire if you don't use them. And then everybody's like, okay, I have to take 10 days off in the middle of March <laughs> because these expire. I mean, in some ways, your example is perfect that there's a difference. We go to our annual physical exam appointment for a reason. You go to the dentist twice a year for a reason. Um, or we're supposed to do all these ah, things. Evan's, Evan's face was like, I do. Um, yes, this is on the list of things we should be doing regularly. Uh, and it will off, often save us a bunch of money if we just do a lot of preventative care. But what we end up doing 
is uh, we're in a society that doesn't really prevent, it only responds. And so then we end up all the way in the ER with some dire emergency because we haven't been checking in along the way. So what regular self-care looks like in the preventative form is doing a quick uh, kind of internal assessment with yourself. I normally check in on four key areas, your physical, your social, your emotional, and your spiritual self, and ask myself how each of those things are doing so that I know which portion of that might need some sort of tool, intervention, battery recharge. At the same time, regular self-care means what things keep us from spiraling out? Uh, what things can I put in my schedule more regularly that I know um, can keep my energy from depleting real quickly? And what we can talk about in a, a little bit later in this episode is how our self-care has shifted since March because we don't always have the same self-care tools that we had access to before. Yeah, but what what could have happened in March that would have changed anything? I, I... You know, only the whole pandemic, but, you know, no big deal. Uh, Only we all started being at home instead of having access to going to the gym regularly or going out to eat with friends, Um, kids being in school, all of these things that... uh, help us stay healthy, keep us from being overwhelmed, keep us from losing all of the battery in our battery pack Mm. along the way. So what do y'all do for regular self-care? Like what is something that is pretty routine that y'all do? To give examples for people of what's preventative regular self-care and then what's that emergency self-care? I think so so listening to myself and what my need what my needs are particularly around around rest and 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 being alone I have um I spend most of my days now on Zoom calls uh and then I have two young children and a spouse and um so you know we're all spend all of our time in the house together so realizing that it's okay to, that I need to be away. Like I just need to be by myself. And so I, I come here in my basement uh, studio area and, and, and read or sleep sometimes or I'll work on stuff. I think one of my favorite like uh, self-care things is to build something. Um, I don't build anything from scratch, but like right now we're putting some closet stuff together. So like building the closet stuff, you know, like it's, it's something where I can see achievement because so many things in my life in work, you don't see achievement. It takes a long time for things to happen. So um, something con- constructive like that has has good soothing capabilities for me. Hmm. Those are some of the things I think of. And I, and I box. I'm a. I like to box for 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 health reasons. So that's a that's a good way to let out some energy. Yeah, Michael goes out on the street and challenges people. Street matches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He does. How do you do that from six feet apart? What. <laughs> It's, it's, you got to throw a long punch. Yeah. Not, but not a lot of punches thrown. Really, it's really messed up, Michael. It's, it's really boring air street fighting. That's what it is. We just, <laughs> it's, it's boxing oh, is, goodness. Uh, yeah, that's a new one. That's definitely a new one. I think for me, I I rely on like life momentum. Uh, I this is going to be a huge shocker for everyone who is listening to our podcast and has listened to things. Uh, my brain is fairly sporadic and I enjoy delving into the spontaneous. Uh, and so my curiosity is one of my largest drivers and motivators is what is, what could be. And so I have to counter that with proper self-care at my best by starting off well. Um, I typically try and start my week off well by prepping for what my self-care routine is going to be Sunday night so that I feel equipped to go into Monday. And for me, if Monday and Tuesday start off well, as far as self-care, which 
typically revolves around exercise. Uh, if I have it planned when I'm going to do certain things, when I'm going to exercise, when I'm going to take the time to read, when I'm going to take the time to pray, that I found to be my anchor point for self-care for the rest of the week because I don't want to lose my momentum. The second that something disrupts my momentum, I am like a fish out of water. I literally look like a koi fish that is just gasping for air. You know, when you go to like the botanical garden or somewhere and they have the koi fish and they come up because they think that you have food and they're just like, like sucking air out of water. That is how I feel when my routine gets disrupted. The cruel thing is the last thing that I actually want for myself is routine. I loathe it, but I know that it's what's best for me. It's like this week was really good. That's a great example of self-care that it's not always something that feels fun, but you know, it's important and makes you healthier. That routine for you is not the most fun thing, but you know that it's important for you to be healthy. Completely loathe it. I can't stand it because it's boring and it's not interesting. But if I make exploring curiosity part of my routine and I have planned moments of spontaneity, I find that I scratch that itch well, and then I am able to carry over with what I need to do. And if I exercise, I'm going to eat better. And if I eat better, I'm going to feel better. And I have that routine that kind of goes and it changes every day for me. But that rhythm of self-care is something that can get disrupted really easily if I don't anticipate what the week's going to look like. We just moved to a new house. Everything was out the window, right? Like that is, there are things that happen in life that just completely launch our self-care routines into orbit. And it takes weeks for me to recover from that because I just get in this rut and then I stay in it. I know that for me, my baseline self-care is simply to go for a run that if I'm feeling really out of sorts and I go for a run, it's like my body can and my mind can reset a little bit or at least have a slightly better grasp on the world around me. Um, So that's kind of my go-to all the time. And then after that, that's when I start checking in with other parts of myself. Um, I use that as my go-to of like, okay, we're not even going to do the work to check on everything else until you go for a run and come home and then figure it out what else you need. Cause it's such a quick battery pack filler. Uh, it usually makes the rest of the world make a lot more sense on the front end. That is really interesting that you, that we've all referenced some kind of like push start where we need that one thing to get it going and then we can figure it out like a car like you need enough power from the battery to start the starter motor to start the car but then the alternator charges the battery for the next start so you have to have the whole thing to get going i think it's also our reliable form of self-care that like works most generically and so a lot of us are starting in a place that Uh, it works for a wider variety of situations. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, well, this will blanket cover a number of things. So let's try that option first before I have to nuance and figure out something very unique that I need right now. (laughs) Yeah, Lindsay keeps her running shoes in her meeting bag. And so (laughs) if you've ever been in a meeting and Lindsay starts lacing up. She just leaves. Yeah, she starts lacing up her new (laughs) bag. That is not true. You look out the window (laughs) and she's just running off across the office. You're like, oh, I guess I I I drove Lindsay to need some clothes. That is not true. But most people that know and love me know that on a really bad day, they'll kind of look at me and go, do you need to go for a run? And then we'll figure it out later. Like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> That's great. Dude, I do think, I, I think physical exertion uh, is in all manner of forms. There are all kinds of ways you can, you can move your body around. But my experience with, with, uh, with my students is that, that when, when things get stressful or hard or sad or any, any of those sort of heavier emotions is that we just kind of start to cloister in and we get, we're hunched over and we're, we're just getting tighter and tighter and tighter and, and our blood isn't flowing as, as clearly as it would if we got up and went and exercise and you, you, 
releases releases endorphins it resets your body gets you a new kind of energy level up and then you're able to see things differently than you were able to see them before but i know for me the entropy is really hard like that that when you're in that place where you really are on the you know either in the burnout stage or you're on the verge of it or you're just really tired from all getting up out of the out of your chair, off the couch or whatever, that first few steps is, seems like a mountain. So I know that there, there might be some of you who just, who, who hear Lindsay talk about go running and they're just like, that is like the opposite of what I want to do right now. <laughs> I will say on days that I'm, I don't always run on days that I really lack the energy. I just put on my shoes and walk around the block. Yeah. See, I think that's a great, like, if you feel you're like, you're just stuck right now Mm -hmm. and you can't think about doing any of these things we talked about, I think just getting your shoes on and, 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 and going outside for a bit as a, as a gentle walk would, would do a lot to reset your system. It's a really interesting take on fleeing from temptation. Like that's a theme that we see in scripture is that we're supposed to flee from temptation. And I think that that's typically associated with like very bad things, like flee from this person who's going to offer you drugs. Like if you take it from like a youth group sense, right? It's like the empty red solo cup represents underage drinking and potentially teen pregnancy or premarital sex so that you should literally flee from that. And the idea of an adult interpretation of fleeing for temptation being running away from the temptation that you have it all together and you could manage it. And the temptation is that you don't need proactive self-care to take care of yourself Mm. and you need to do the thing that makes you flee from that thought is an interesting thing because when you read that it is like you you just one of the things that my college students uh, have said most often was like what what did you expect to be different from college is they said I expected that people would offer me drugs more because of the way that things have been interpreted. That was that and quicksand. They said that when they were adults, they thought when they were kids, they thought quicksand was a lot more of a threat than it was in real life. Because it drugs and quicksand so are much. just, you know, around <laughs> every corner. Really good. Yeah. Those they are- were like, this is this is what's prevalent. And I just yeah. want to say, I want to for the record, experiencing quicksand is is like on my bucket list. So I just just put that out there because we'll find a place to watch you sink. Yeah. (laughs) I did read an article that was the, uh, the media representation of quicksand as a challenge over the decades. And it's decreased significantly the instances (laughs) of heroic challenge around quicksand uh, since the fifties and sixties and seventies. They've kind of described it as like the obstacle that the hero must overcome. The quicksand is actually our own minds and habits instead of like a physical manifestation, but uh, it's all Swiss family Robinson for me, if I'm, honest oh that's true i love that you use the analogy of we're tempted to run away from uh taking care of ourselves or saying that we don't have it all together and that we need some self-care i have found that we're currently in a society where it feels really it is not celebrated as much as it should be when people say i need help or I don't have it all together, or I'm not perfect. Yes, it is something about our, uh, I, I know this is true in other societies, but I'm going to speak specifically of, of, of the collective United States, um, the, the Protestant work ethic and the American idea of capitalism is, is such a, a driver in people's lives that they think that if they step away, if they go do something for themselves, that they'll lose their place. They're rung on the ladder, whatever, whatever that is. If it's in the spiritual, spiritual realm, it's whatever, you know, some, some people believe that faith has to hurt. Like, like it's faith has to be a sacrifice. Um, And then, and then in the corporate world, you know, there's this real pressure to to continue to climb the ladder of success and whatever and in and, and any kind of uh, rest or break or need for for assistance just risks your position and so I think that I think that permeates our society and in lots of ways self care being one of those an example of that I think that I find fascinating is a, a lot of uh, upstart new start companies uh, and tech industry companies they offer unlimited vacation. Mm-hmm. Which 
when what they find is it's a great recruitment tool because uh, people look at it like, oh, that's awesome. Unlimited vacation. There's no, that's, that's awesome. Well, what they find is that those companies, the employees of those companies take less vacation than anyone else mm-hmm. because there is this, this pressure in the system to believe that, yeah, I can, the time is for me to take, but it's unlimited. I'm not banking it. No, there's not like, so when, so if I have 30 days vacation or, or, or 14 days or whatever, whatever your policy is, you have this accrued bucket and you feel like I either use it or I lose it. But when that bucket is unlimited and the pressure is to succeed, then people take no vacation or very, very little vacation. And, and the psyche of how it impacts your psyche and all of that. Part of the reason they don't take any vacation is they're worried about what other people will think of them. Will I look lazy by taking vacation? That's right. right. All of that. Because the work goes on and someone's got to do it and you're indispensable. You're not indispensable. So it, that, that's the fear. Okay, so we have spent a lot of time talking about the physical health aspect of self-care. Uh, I think that we've all agreed that it is kind of a core component that when physical health is good, it trickles into our, and I'll read these back out here. Lindsay talked about four components of self-care were physical, social, emotional, and spiritual health. And I definitely think they're all interconnected. But as far as social health, Obviously, there's some caveats because of the pandemic. Our All of our social health self-care has taken a huge hit. Now, the introverts, I think even at this point in the pandemic, the super introverts are pretty done with this. Yeah, I mean, it's impacting everybody. I think that we all connect with people. It might be on our own scale or the frequency can look different based on being more of an introvert or an extrovert but we still all need relationships. I mean, that's how God built us from the very beginning is that God did not want anybody to be alone. So God made a second person. Well, let's use that. Let's use that framework of introvert and extrovert to frame our social health discussion because uh, introversion and extroversion has to do with how we recharge, but Mm -hmm. it's not, my understanding is that it's not all one or all the other and that an extrovert would be there, there are who some of us who sort of are omniverts <laughs> omnivert yes. ambivert is the term <laughs> that i've heard but i like mm-hmm. omnivert that you have to eat the way you recharge you have to physically consume it omnivert right. is way better than amnivert whoever came up with ambivert was was amnivert is that is that the word am ambivert Ambi. ambivert not ambivert a m b i B-E-R-T. Ambivert. Ambivert. Oh, interesting. I, I like don't I, I did not know this term. I learned something new. Can we please put that in the show notes if anybody wants there to click is. and learn more? Perfect. So you need to so you need to do that to recharge. So that an introvert still needs external relationships. You just need a, a different proportional amount of time by yourself to recharge that battery. And an extrovert needs external time and external stimuli to recharge said battery. Everybody needs both. And it shifts over time as well. You're you're not the same person that you were five or 10 years ago. So when it comes to recharging as part of self-care, we all have to have that kind of social relationship. Sorry, my wife Mm. just walked downstairs with the dogs Um, speaking (laughs) because I am extroverted. This may shock you. My wife is introverted. So when I we find this point in our marriage where I need to recharge by being around people and I am ruining my wife's time to recharge because I'll just walk in and start asking her questions and she'll kind of look up. And I can tell now that we've been married long enough that I am infringing upon her recharge time. And I just kind of slowly back away, (laughs) exit the door and then, I love, I love when we can all pick up on what the other people need. It's yeah. like, okay, you clearly need something that I don't. And Evan, I bet that in non-pandemic times, it is real easy for you to call a friend and go out of the house. And your wife is like, thank goodness I am by myself. And it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. One of the compliments that she paid me that, you know how when there's something deep and meaningful for you and you try and express it to the people you care about, it can come off 
really poorly sometimes. <laughs> she said to me, I like that you're about to call her no, out on this episode. No, 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 no. It's okay. Do tell. She said to me, and it was a, it was a deep, a deep and personal compliment because she really does value that introversion time. She said, you know, hun, being with you is like being alone. <laughs> now to an introvert to say, spending time with you is just as recharging to me as having that special time by myself. And I count our time together towards that special time that I value that helps me to get through life. That's what that meant. And that, that was is, incredibly loving coming incredibly out of her loving. mouth. And to an extrovert, when you when I hear that, if I were to apply my lens to the world, I was like, huh? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I want at all. But it's one of those things where you can't make a snap judgment about it. But it, it is a huge illustration around who we are as people and what it takes for us to recharge and feel ready to approach the day. I, I think what you're sharing is really important from, so one, you understanding intrinsically what brings you renewal, you know, and, and restores your energy levels. And so if you are introverted uh, and, and time alone is re- critically important for you, then how do you make time for that? Especially if you're in a job that requires um, a lot of energy, or if you're in school, I know people who are in school who are introverts and being in school with all those people all the time, it's just, you just need to be alone some. So that being aware, I think the other thing, what you bring up is really important too. And that is for us to be aware of the people around us and what their needs are, because you, you interact and you see the world the way you see it. And so um, seeing, for example, seeing Holly walk off and want to be alone, you as an extrovert could see that as, gosh, something's wrong. Like, that's not right. Or she doesn't like me. There's lots of lenses. You Because you're looking through the your own view of the world, you interpret things differently. So Where I think, were you 10 years ago? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and so I think about like uh, uh, parents in relationship with their kids. Parents might be extroverts and they don't understand why their kids really need to be with their friends because that's really important for restoring themselves when the parents could just go read a book and feel restored um, or vice versa. And so what we do is we we put expectations on other people and try to tell them what they need to do to be better. And so I think that's why when we started this off, it's about listening to yourself and what you need, having the agency or the ability to share that with others. And then our job as other people is to pay attention to that and to listen to it and to honor it and know that people are different. We also need to do, as as we mentioned, those check-ins, we need to do them somewhat regularly because the the world around us can change and we need different things. Um Y'all know that I am a total extrovert and would prefer to be with people every day of the week. And I mean, if I'm alone more than two nights in a row, I'm about to go stir crazy. Um, That drives me bananas. I love being around people. I will say that in a few times that work has been incredibly busy and stressful, and especially at the beginning of the pandemic, um, in March, April, and the beginning um, of May, I was so busy in my counseling practice, being present with people in really hard moments and pain, that where I used to be of like wanting to be out and about with people all the time, I mean, granted, we are on lockdown, but I didn't want to be with a lot of people. (laughs) I needed more energy by myself to recharge than I typically would have because the circumstances had changed Mm -hmm. and energy was going elsewhere. So I needed to do that uh, interpersonal scan of myself instead of just always defaulting on, okay, every evening that I have free, let me call a friend or check in with somebody or something. I I needed to say, pause, you need a little more you time. Yeah, that is interesting. And it's been interesting how the social connections and networks work together because 
the rhythms that we have been in have been significantly disrupted. So we all have folks in our lives that are those kind of nodes. They're the ones who are going to invite people places. And there's collective gatherings where you can show up and leave at the same time. And you can drop in, drop out, parties, hangouts, regular things that we do with friends kind of each week that kind of can be that social anchor point. And so without that, a lot of folks are feeling extremely lonely because there's not that connectional node. I think a lot of us in our families have that. You have those one or two family members who get energy by keeping up with everybody. And so they always tend to know kind of what's going on with everybody. But some people don't have the same capacity or the same drive or initiative to want to be on the phone talking to large groups of people all the time. And so you get this- I might not give you life. Yeah, it could be exhausting for you. And so you get this weird situation where it feels like there's a disconnected information because one person likes to keep up with everybody and that's what they do for fun. The other people feel like that's the way it's supposed to be, but they don't know. Like that's that's where I find myself and my family. And I don't think it's a good or a bad thing. I just recognize that I'm going to naturally, part of my rhythms is to call and catch up with family and just kind of check in on everybody and see how everybody's doing. Not everybody else wants to do that. So when they don't have those gatherings, now that we're coming up on the holidays, we're going to spend some time in future episodes talking about kind of what the holiday season is going to look like in, in this time. Folks, there's we're, a lot we're of two weeks, there. two weeks before Thanksgiving. That's when we're filming yeah. this. So And it was 78 we, degrees yesterday. So That's right. That's right. Because it's Georgia. We tied a record high. So our social selves we need to pay attention that we might not all need the same thing and that different seasons may look different for what we need. Um, And we need to just be mindful about the relationships in our lives and the relationship with ourselves and what we need to cultivate at that moment. Mm. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think this is just a great reminder for everyone that it takes what may be easy for you can be really difficult for other folks. So what may be perceived as it's not that big of a deal to pick up the phone. The phrase you hear a lot of the time is the, the phone works two ways. You know, you talk to a friend, you don't talk to him. Like, wow. Really haven't really haven't heard from you in a while. It's like well, you, the initial thought, if you're somebody who likes to reach out is you could have called me at any time, but the empathetic response is that we should recognize that, there's a different desire for people to connect. And it takes a lot of energy sometimes to reach out and to connect with people and to be proactive. And it's one of the biggest ways that I coach students and uh, folks through interactions with friends and family as their lives change and as they get busy, is they're like, I just don't feel connected. I don't feel like I have the same relationship because the season has changed or I've recently graduated and I don't see everyone anymore. And I feel like I've lost touch. And I think we have to have a lot of grace for each other in that it takes different things to connect. One of my quick tools on doing this when it comes to doing the social self-care portion, and we'll go through the other sections in a moment, um, is that I spend a day every so often and write a list of people that really give me a lot of life and people that fill my battery up. And I put that list, I was going to say in my planner, but now I don't carry a physical planner because I stare at my computer all the time. Um, But I keep that list around so that on days that I'm feeling depleted and I don't know where to start and know as an extrovert, I need people more often. I look at that list and I use that tool as a reminder of here are some people that I could call and reach out to. And what she's telling, not telling you is that she also, and I've seen this in her planner, she also has a list of all the people who have annoyed her and drained her energy <laughs> during the day. And so she does have a naughty and a nice list. So, And depending on the day, uh, y'all too uh, can end up on the annoying side or the side that I love. I was just going to say, I always wondered why Evan and I were listed by ourselves on one side of her, her notepad. And the challenger's color scratches over them. Yeah. She's looking forward to it. Thinks she's not. Yeah. You know, I, I think, so what you kind of led me to think about is this, this whole idea of Sabbath, which is sort of the theological, um, 
grounding for self-care. It's a rhythm, adding a rhythm of self-care. Um, for those who aren't familiar in, in the creation story um, that we encounter in Genesis, uh, God creates uh, the world and in, in this series of days or windows of time. And then there's this time at the end where there is just a time for rest. And so Sabbath becomes, uh, that's modeled for us uh, as humans that, that we are to work and that we, and that we are also to, to be kind to ourselves and to rest. Now, I think some people might think, oh, well, that's just once a week that we rest. Um, and it's, and, and also the understanding of like sleep too, it's not necessarily sleep, but it's, it's really about, uh, sacred rest about taking in all that's good around you, being still and listening and caring for yourself. And I also think, um, a lot of us talk about like this idea of Sabbath every day. How do we find rhythms of work and rest throughout our every day? Um, that culminate in maybe bigger periods of rest in the sense of a week. So in our week, is there a moment we have a bigger time of rest where we get to celebrate all that we've been through and what God has gotten us through and what we've been able to savor and enjoy together? And then we do that every day. And then we do that every every week. And then maybe even a bigger time. We talk about the idea of vacation, that that time away uh, is another form of Sabbath where we take even more time away. And so what you see here is that there's these different, I think there's a, there's a theological framework and a very practical framework for us to think about care for ourselves at the daily, maybe the hourly level. And then as it builds up, maybe there's a weekly level or, or, or and then a few week level and there's a month level and there's a six month level and there's a year level. So that we're constantly finding new ways to care for us at different different ways. Um, some simple regular activities like, like Evan's talked about, like Lindsay's talked about running. Um, those are good. Those are good every day, every hour kind of things. Well, maybe you don't want to run every hour, but some kind yeah, of physical no. interruption every do. hour Agreed. being still. Some people do. I, a guy in my neighborhood, I don't know. I think he ran literally every hour. Um, but then, and then we take bigger breaks. Uh, and then we take bigger breaks and then we take bigger breaks um, so that our body stays, our body, uh, all four facets of us stay healthy. I think you've perfectly illustrated kind of the crossover and enmeshment between that social and that spiritual self-care. I think the, mm -hmm. that's a perf the rest, uh, spiritual rest is a perfect hybrid. So when it comes to spiritual self-care, what does that look like? I think that can include Sabbath, as Michael said, of that sacred rest and intentional time uh, to reflect on what God has done for us and our relationship with God. I think that spiritual self-care can mean finding a place to worship with others in person or virtually. It can be some of the spiritual disciplines that we've often talked about uh, or your church may have talked about, um, some of your Bible reading devotion time, uh, prayer time can all be ways to care for your spiritual well-being. I think another way that mo probably is not thought about as much, um, can be just spending time in nature can be a real spiritual experience and spiritual self-care. Um, meditation is a great form of spiritual self-care where you ground yourself in the present moment and you pay attention to your five senses and what's happening. I sometimes uh, do a walking meditation because I get too distracted sitting in one place that you can feel the rhythm of your feet walking on the ground and then pay attention to what you're smelling, what you're observing around you, what you notice, what you hear. Um, that that can be a real practical form of spiritual self-care. Mm, yeah, that, that reminds me of some of the mindfulness practices that you've mentioned mm -hmm. before, Michael. Mm -hmm. no, I think I think all those those are those are great ways. There are just there are a myriad of ways to insert moments of spiritual caretaking um, 
like practices of mindfulness that you can do at work is, is when you stop and you're eating lunch is just to actually eat lunch. Don't, don't try to type or send emails or, or uh, like we're notorious for doing zoom calls while we're eating, uh, you know, try to just, whatever you do, do it, do it wholeheartedly. So if you're, if you're in a conversation with some, be fully present and see it as a sacred moment to be fully present with another human, whether that's virtually on your phone or in person. And when you eat, eat like it's this gift that you've been given, that you're filling your body with the things that needs to go on. Those kinds of practices of mindfulness are ways that you're able to reset your, 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 your spiritual self and your mental self in a way that makes you more healthy and more aware. I have found that the practice of temptation bundling uh, psychologically has really been something that I Is that find something so- similar to what Xfinity does with your cable? <laughs> yes. You can buy the bundle. That's right. Yes. You can I, get 300 channels that you don't need, but we'll call it a bundle. Yeah, it's a deal. It's a real deal. It's a deal. Anytime anybody tells you they're giving you a deal, that's probably the fastest way for you to understand that it's not a deal. That's so tell me, tell me about this temptation bundle. So temptation bundling is this theory and practice that you take something that you want to do and are probably going to do anyways, and you shackle it (laughs) to something that you should do, but maybe can't find yourself doing regularly. And it's difficult for you. Uh, So an example of this would be exercise. So you take something that you love, uh, like a something exciting, like a TV show that you really like, and you bundle it at the same time as something that you should do, but maybe don't. So for example, they did a study with college students and you got a Harry Potter ebook for free and you could check it out from the gym and you could only listen to Harry Potter while you were at the gym. Now there was no measurement of whether they were actually exercising or anything like that, but it was this something that's tempting that you want. You want to listen to a fast paced book that, uh, goes against all the teachings incredible. of God and witchcraft. Oh, hmm. never mind. It's incredible. And Lindsay's face right now when I just took the hard line. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Potter. I'm just kidding. I have friends who weren't allowed to- We'll need to, to unpack that later Harry for you, Potter. folks. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> I have friends that weren't allowed to watch Rugrats because they were disrespectful. Uh, so it's- <laughs> There's a lot of Christian beliefs about a lot of um, pop culture. We yeah. can do a whole episode you about just that. Hide away from all culture because you'll never have to encounter it in real life and go into a hyper Christian bubble. And that has never gone poorly for anyone ever. Okay. okay. So the so what they did was they found that uh, there was a positive correlation between people who went to the gym and had the ebook that they could listen to that was exciting. Uh, and that people who didn't have the ebook, the control group, went to the gym less frequently. Now, whether there was actual exercise that was done or not, wasn't measured. So what I do with spiritual practices that I find uh, helpful is that I will do a temptation bundle of my extroversion and the necessary mindful private spiritual practice. So I will sign up for small groups or Bible studies, or I will listen to a podcast about something like biblical related or have a a book of scripture that we're going to read together. And I'll say it with a friend and I say, let's talk about this on Friday. So then I have now given myself one accountability to a deadline and something I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it, not just being something that's internal, but it's inspected and invited that I'm going to be sharing about that as well. And I find that that practice increases my ability to practice like individual intrinsic self-care in the spiritual level, because I've also combined it with other areas of things that I should do, recognizing my weakness, bundling with something that is tempting for me, social interaction. And then I have found significant success as an adult to make that accomplish. And I love the practice of temptation bundling. It's awesome. That is really creative. And here I I was ready to make fun of the phrase temptation bundling. And like, it's, like most of Evan's off the wall comments, you're at the start of it. You're like, where no is weather, going? We're probably, we're going to have to edit this out likely. <laughs> and, then, and, then and then it then, always works. And then it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
my well, God. then I think somehow you need to write a book about this temptation bundling and uh, it's not mine. bundle it's not, it up in some spiritual practices. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, gosh, goodness. I think I think this I, I hope what people are hearing is because especially as we mentioned, we're recording a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving. Uh, there were one hundred and forty thousand new cases of covid yesterday in the U.S. Um it, this is a very difficult time because I think a lot of people are trying to figure out how do we have some kind of meaningfulness in, in, in the period of Thanksgiving and then Advent and then Christmas, these times where we're supposed to be together with our family and we're supposed to have this time of uh, that, that rejoins a lot of people. And then, and then we're not sure that any of that's going to happen uh, or whether it should happen or not. And, and so I, what I hope I hope you hear is that it's, it is good and right and important for you to take care of yourself. And I think especially in this moment in history, for you to start a practice of regular self-check-in, some kind of practice uh, on the hourly level, on the daily level, on the weekly level, on the monthly level, as we get through this together, to, to care for yourself, to be attentive to the things that you need, to understand that what you need is different than what other people need, and that is totally okay. And to give everyone in your life some space to, to cope with what they're going through in this moment um, with some grace and dignity and, and, and encourage people to care for each other. Because I think if we do that, we can get through this together and we can come out on the other side of this and 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 recognize how God has been with us and is with us and will be with us, uh, no matter the circumstances of life. Just want to say thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks to Justin Patton, who produces our podcast and also does the intro music. If you want to collaborate with Justin on a project, you can check him out at airgigs.com. That's Justin Patton at airgigs.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next episode.